Water Polo Podcast. I'm James in Austin. That is Joe in San Antonio, Texas. And we must begin the podcast as we always do. How's McCoy? It's great. Yeah? Is he yeah. walking yet? He's more than a month old. He's five weeks old, and uh, he's not walking yet, no. I don't know. That sounds a little late. Uh, you know, it's all about competition. It's like he's still to... he's still working to hold his head up by himself. <laughs> um, he, so... I mean, he can do it for a, a little while, but not that long. Oh, so. God, he's weak. What a weak kid. Yeah, uh, how's sleeping going? I mean, you've uh, been sound. It sounds like you've been sort of re- relatively fortunate in that regard. And plus, you've been getting some help, so that's good. No, just it's 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 what it is. Um, you know, I you know you don't have. You sleep for three hours, or or if you're lucky, and he's sleeping now. Yeah, uh, we don't have to wake him up to feed him at every three hours, like we oh, were. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he was preemie. Yeah, yeah. So he's sleeping. So he slept last night for like four and a half hours, which is great. That's actually really good. Yeah, I know. So and I mean, but then that is counterbalanced by like you know a session where it's only an hour and a half until he wants to feed again. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. So, but no, it's, no, it's great. I mean, Steph is great and yeah, and McCoy is great, but let's get on the water pole. Hey Joe, no, don't, do you need sleep? Like, are you one of these guys? You seem like intense enough that you kind of don't even need sleep. Am I wrong about that? In this case, I don't really need sleep because you don't really even think about it right now. Right. Um, but, uh, yes, I do like to sleep. I, I had way too many early morning uh, workouts as a kid that, you know, I've learned to love sleep o- o- over the years. Oh, so. I, I, you know, uh, my club has a master swim program that swims from six and it's about a half an hour away from me. And I cannot motivate to get up that early because I swam in college and I was like, I'm not doing this again. That sucked. Um, and it was, all yeah, I have never had a problem sleeping. So yeah, no, yeah, me but either. I, but I also don't have a problem waking up. So there you go. sometimes I do, but yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's so funny that we're at these different ends of the of the perspective. Like again, we're we're in the process of applying to colleges, and uh, you're actually still wondering about whether you're going to get enough sleep at night. It's it's good stuff, good stuff, Joe. All right. Oh, I'm, I'm not wondering. I, I know I'm not going to get a whole lot of sleep, which is fine. It's good. <clears throat> yeah, you'll you'll get over it. Um, okay. Speaking of sleep, no, no, no. no. Uh, Austin College played three games this last week. They placed third at the CWPA Division Three Championships uh, or Eastern Championships. Championships, to be more specific, it was a uh, seven-team tournament. They, um, I'm going to be talking with um, Mark Lawrence in uh, 50 minutes. Actually, I'm looking at the clock. Um, not that it matters to this podcast, but they beat uh, Penn State Baron, the old uh, nemesis, 20 to six. They lost. Uh, they were they were close with Johns Hopkins, who ended up finishing second. Is that right? Wait, did I get that right? I, uh, and John Tuckman's won. They won, yeah. They they won the tournament uh, in overtime against our old friend Austin Ringheim. But uh, Jan- Johns Hopkins was leading what nine to six, I think, against uh, Austin College at halftime, and then kind of pulled away. It was a bit disappointing finish, but they uh, beat Austin College eighteen to eight. And then uh, then the third game, I'm looking forward to talking to Mark about this. The Austin College beat Washington and Jefferson fourteen to eight, and then news came out that the game was going to be considered a forfeit because somebody on Washington Jefferson was ineligible, and it just reminded me. Joe, what? How is it that a player can be deemed ineligible? I mean, I was thinking in terms of like academic probation, but what, like it just seems strange. Like in the midst of a season, that some player would be deemed ineligible. You used to coach in college. Okay, yeah, twenty years ago. So, um, I mean, there's probably a like probably it's it's an eligibility thing. It's 
maybe they were suspended by the school right. kind of kind of maybe there was a red card incident or oh, yeah. something where he played yeah, yeah. i don't know i don't i don't know specifics in that case so i know just stay tuned to the interview with more yeah with mark orange to find yeah, out he maybe he'll he won't know either that'd be exciting um so place third and easterns um that um you know i don't know what that means for their status as far as division three championships um it seems to me that the top two would go from the east so that they just came outside that which is a little disappointing but again we will talk to mark lawrence about all of that uh coming up soon um yeah, but the good thing is they still get to go to their uh, their uh, conference championships. And Absolutely right. Stuff like that and go play in the MPSF championships and get to play Penn State Baron probably again. So. Yep, they got one more time. They get to go out to Stanford. I think that's where it is. Uh, is uh, MPSF champ. No, hang on. I'm going to look this up really fast. I don't normally do this. Yep, Stanford in Palo Alto play Penn State Baron on the 19th of November. There's a long – it feels like a long break. Like, they, you know, their game – their last game was on Sunday. That's the 24th of October. Their next game is the 19th of November. Um, that's a little too bad that you could, couldn't fit some more competition in there. Well, we got to get more teams playing in Texas. There you go. That's your come on, Joe. Get on that, will you? Have you even thought about that? Jeez, get to work. Never, never, yeah, never. never. Um, ODP's last weekend of tr- of uh, well, see. Last year, we had to start calling them clinics, and so I have that in my brain now, that it's a clinic, but it's not. It was a camp, right? I mean, you, I think it's fair to call that a camp. Sure. They had it up in North Texas. It, uh, it featured uh, national team coach Andrew Silva, who's now the director of aquatics, I think, at Sarah High School. I know that because uh, we used to, my old team used to play there. We used to get beat there soundly, um, and uh, I call, you know, she's called Bernie, um, but Bernice Orwig, and she's uh, has a new last name. Oh, uh, Bernice as well. O'Connor. O'Connor. Bernice O'Connor. Right, and but it's funny because I see her on the on the coaching roster, and it, and it just says Bernie. It's like, oh, who's that? And then you think, oh, she's the extraordinarily good former goalkeeper for the U.S. national team, and it's Bernice, but they call her Bernie. So, two very good coaches, and also, uh, what was it like? A, over a hundred kids. Yeah, it was a. I think it was one hundred five or one hundred six kids. A success. So um, that wraps up the the selection part of uh, of ODP for the season. Of the camps, the camps, the and camps. then the selections will come out in the, in the next uh, week or two, and and then the kids will have a training camp over Thanksgiving weekend. I think they'll have a training camp the first weekend of January, and then they'll go to Utah. So I don't I have to look at that on the calendar. What is yeah going to Utah? That is a really fun trip, and that was one of the real bummers about last year is not being able to travel. Even though um, it was great to have uh, competition in Texas, but these teams from uh, the Southwest Zone will pick up and go to Utah and play against regions that are uh, typically don't include anybody from uh, California, which is really fun. And then after that, the final rosters will be selected, and uh, and then off to national championships, um, which is again a great tournament in California. And I've got some kids who I think are going to make those rosters, so I'm very pleased by that. Um, anything else about ODP? I mean, were, did you go? No, you didn't go up there. No, I did not go. Yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, yep. but I hear it was great things and a ton of coaches out there. And um, and I believe it's this whole kind of the ODP season has been a great success. There's Every single camp has been sold out um, to, to the point wherever there was a ton of people that were reaching out and saying, oh, I can't get in, I can't yeah, get in. So, wait list. So next year, get on board and sign up as quickly as you can. So. Yeah. Um, we we got to talk to Colin. You want to do that? 
we'll we'll do a little inside baseball here. You want to talk to Cullen at some point about the ODP sure. season? Yeah, okay. Because sure. I'm talking to Mark, so we have to split up the the duties here. Uh, Champions Cup in Indiana. That's also coming up soon. Uh, Thunder yeah. will be heading up there. Um, yeah, do tell. No, no, no. It's going to be up in the at the University of Indiana in Bloomington. Great pool. And it's it's been there before. It's national championship so it's going to be a it's it's a 14 under slash eighth grade and younger event so oh it's that thing yeah you have to be both right got you it have to be both and uh you know kids that have played high school go keep playing high school you don't need yeah. to go back down to play with no, 14. so no, no, no. um and then um and then you know and then that same weekend thunder's also hosting the texas challenge cup up in north texas which can be great and i think there's a ton of teams playing there then the following weekend also in north texas you've got the dallas masters fall invite which will be at smu which is a master's tournament it's a men's open and women's open divisions that's being hosted by pegasus so that'll be good we have lots of water polo coming up here is that that's just at smu right or or is it at multiple locations that's just at smu okay not a problem i just that's a really nice pool i know oh, that yeah. they're uh what are they trying to do? Expand that pool to an outdoor one? Like they're going to be eventually building an outdoor pool that's right outside their back door, so it's going to be perpendicular to it. Yeah. Um, to be able to fit in the space and that's provided, and then that'll open them up to be able to host a lot of different events. So I finally got to see the uh, the outdoor pool that they built at UT, uh, right next to the you know the Texas Swim Center, and mm-hmm. it's lovely. But you know the only issue is that there's water polo has no access to it at all, um, which is a bummer. But it's it is very beautiful. I, I that's okay. The, well, the swimmers can go out there while the water polo has access to the indoor pool. That's what you would hope. Yeah, that's what you would hope. Um, um, I'll be at Texas Challenge Cup, and so will you. Yeah, I'll be coaching. I'll be on the pool deck if you want to get. A little smile and get in the and yeah and laugh at coaches. Come out and watch me coach. Are so. you bringing McCoy? I'm bringing McCoy, not the whole time, but yes, he will be I- I- introduced to some people on the pool deck. So he and I need to meet. Yep, I expect yeah. that. So and uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm bringing a group from San Antonio called the Alma Area Water Polo, and uh, we're, we're 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 bringing a 12 and under group and a 14 under group. Yeah, they went to um, uh, Octopolo Fest too. So yeah, and, and also to welcome the Texas uh, kind of shootout. So oh yeah, that's right. Very good. Yeah, and we finally have the kids that are not wearing that that were wearing board shorts at Welcome to Texas Shootout. They're no longer wearing board shorts. Is that right? They're, you got them to they're, stop. They're 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 down to speedos. Nice. Work. They asked about are there, they asked about are there, uh, water polo jammers, and I said no. <laughs> no, no, that is a hazard. I, I, I mean, I have kids who still insist that they wear jammers. I'm like, okay, we're going to have, uh, you know, Aquatex designed jammers, but they don't offer the same kind of protection. It was funny. I had a kid the other day just talking to me like, the guy keeps grabbing me and my suit is like, I'm like, okay, this is why, this is why we talk about getting a water polo suit. But anyway. Well, yeah, and then, and then, um, and then I love asking the kids, I go, so is it Easter swim up, up and on the pool with this, the speedo on and uh, as opposed to board shorts, you go, Yes, coach. <laughs> yeah, but we were asking them to do it for a long time, but uh, you know, it's like the kids once they go to the speedo, they yeah, they don't go back. So yeah, that's exactly right. It's a, they they learn to overcome their their challenges. Um, That'd right, be fun. It, yeah. Anything else on the calendar? No, you got something uh, like out in December. You got the Caltown Stampede. You also got the holiday camps that are coming up. So coaches that, yeah. are going to be nominating kids for that and. Um, I think there's a few other things that are going on here or there. Um, we got the dare to dream. that's going to be in January, you know, and then down the line next summer, you know, just, a, this is a little tease. We're not going to talk a whole lot about it now, but, uh, uh, 
there's going to be session three back in Texas for National Junior Olympics. National Junior Olympics back in Texas. That's very, teams very good still, news. Teams, are, teams, teams from Texas are going to still get the, they're going to get the qualified for session one and session two. Yep. That's different than the past summer, but we're going to bring session three back to Texas. So. We, I know that there's, we can't talk about a lot, but I think it's really important to state that what you just did, which is Texas teams can most definitely go to sessions one or two and or two and that non that California teams can go to session three in Texas. Correct. So Correct. it's going to be a lot of fun. That is awesome. And the details need to be ironed out, but it really offers Texas teams, I, I think, a lot of uh, opportunity to play. So I'm I'm. I was very stoked to hear that. I can't wait to talk about the details once they come out. It's going to be a while, right? Like, I mean, it's... Yeah, know. I mean, no, I mean, we should be getting out the details here in, you know, over the next over the next couple of months. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we're doing this with a much longer runway than we did last summer. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, and it's, this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, we're going to try to give everybody that wants to participate in JOs the opportunity to play at JOs. Next year is going to be amazing. Like ne- the next calendar year, two high oh, school yeah. seasons. Um, you know, once again, JOs in California. Who knows what's going to happen with uh, the you know some other tournament? Welcome to Texas Shootout is again returning to its normal you know weekend. Yeah, next year is going to be just jam packed. All I can say is we are going to after all is said and done, we're going to have five straight years with completely different calendars. Yeah, five J- straight years. So- Joe does not like that. So 2019, which was very similar to 2018 and 2017, 2019 was completely different than, than 2020. We all know what happened in 2020. We do. And then 2021 was different than, than 2020. And then 2022, now we have two high school seasons. We're making the switch to the fall UIL, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to have two high school seasons in 2022. All right. So, and then, and finally in 2023, we're going to have one high school season and hopefully 2023 will be similar to 2024 and beyond. So yes, it's a bit confusing, but you know, kind of hang in there. It's going to be fun. I have a lot, a lot of water to be played. I think people are adaptable. I think it's fine. Like I, I realize that there's a, there's benefit to having a predictable calendar and you don't want to stray too far, but we're doing something we're doing something really meaningful, which is changing the seat, you know, season from a club high school season to UIL. And in the course of doing so, we have to change seasons, which may be suboptimal, but we got to do it. And, uh, yeah, I think people are, are, are excited about that. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, I understand the benefits of a fixed schedule, but also I think that we're adaptable. No, it's going to be, a, it's lots of different things coming on and we'll talk, then we'll be talking about fall 22, um, the, right. UIL, the yep. spring, the summer or the spring or the sp- last disco, uh, season this spring. Um, you know, we are, we are, we're going to have J.O. Qualls all on one weekend again next summer. So we got a lot of stuff going on. It's, we, got, um, back on the calendar is going to be the spin lob tournament in, yeah, in February. Oh, right. Uh, we got a, yeah, lots of stuff, but you know. Let's talk. Why don't you go talk to Mark Lawrence? He's a lot more. It's going to be a lot more fun talking to him than talking about calendar. So I'm going to talk to him. I also think we should at some point we're stuck talking to some coaches about what their plans are to manage the high school water polo and swim seasons beginning in the fall of uh, 2020. We are going to do a Tisco water polo town hall in early December. Um, what format? Like another Zoom thing? Is that the tell? Yeah. yeah Zoom thing. 
can be as simple. So how, how did uh, how did your first uh, you know how did how did the um, uh, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I mean, sorry, fill me in on the name. I've, we've I'm had a lot of people download and watch it afterwards, but okay. uh, they're the Texas Water Polo Academies. That's what we're talking uh, about. Like the coaching clinics, they were yes. great, and we're and we're all set for November 9th and November eighteenth. Coming up. So, so the, the, it's that's under the 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 academy is who's going to be hosting whatever. Um, meeting it there is about uh, managing the 2022 first season is that what you're saying yeah, yeah okay i want to do that oh good yeah i want to get on that <laughs> that'll be very very interesting okay uh enough of that all all that stuff uh we'll talk to mark lawrence right now right about now you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need well shush we don't advertise here and we want to keep it that way so we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. Hey, this is Max Serving from the U.S. Men's Senior National Team. And to get all things Texas water polo, I'm listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. They just returned with a third-place finish at Division Three Easterns in uh, Connecticut. Uh, it's Mark Lawrence, head coach of our Austin College Kangaroos. How are you, Mark? Good, good, James. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yep, uh, it's been a while, actually. Uh, it seems like yeah. there's a, plenty to catch up on on this. Again, it's a pretty strange season. Not as strange as last year, but uh, very strange. Um, so, yeah, the the most recent results uh, were, were mixed, although overall positive. You went two uh, two and one um, games against Penn State Baron. You've really got their number now. Like they, you beat them twenty to six. Then a, a loss to Johns Hopkins, which uh, Joe and I were talking about this earlier. Nine to seven at half or nine to six. Uh, the yeah. end score just didn't really seem to indicate how close it was. It ended eighteen to eight. Um, you and they went on to uh, win the the tournament. So that's a quality right. yep. team. And then yeah. Washington and Jeff. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I'm just uh, I'm curious. I almost don't. It's not that I don't want to talk about Penn State Baron, but it's such a convincing win. What can you tell us about what you learned from the loss to Johns Hopkins, who are a, again a, a, a very solid team. Yeah, um, so it was a really interesting game for us. Um, it was a really important game for our program, though, as a whole. Not just the, the actual result in the competition throughout the four quarters, but our program moving forward. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the first, you know, we're in year four of a program. We Our seniors are our first ever recruiting class. So we're still, we're, we're still, um, I wouldn't say we're in creation mode still, but now we're in the position where our foundation has been built and now we're building off of that foundation, right? And, um, you know, the first couple of years we've had in this year, we play so many really high-quality programs, like nationally ranked Division One programs. And in 99% of those games, there's not much on the line besides an opportunity to compete and get better and play at the highest level. Um, so those games, like, you almost play those games with, with, like, nothing to lose, right? And you're not afraid of error and things of that nature. With our Johns Hopkins game, that was the first game in our program history where something was on the line. We had something to lose. And the winner of that game qualified for nationals. Right. And to be honest, something we talked about pre-game, during game, post-game, and even, you know, Johns Hopkins coach brought it up uh, post-game as he thought 
it was our biggest challenge, not, not, not necessarily um, their, their uh, performance, but, you know, our, our guys, you know, that's, that's a hard position to be in. Um, we talked about, you know, leveling up as a program is extremely hard to do. And what I mean by that is taking a step to like that next tier and staying consistent at that level. Um, and our guys, I think, I think they just played nervous, to be honest. They try to be perfect. They try to make every single shot perfect. And they try to be perfect in every possession. And I think when you focus so much on being perfect, you forget about the fact that who you are is good enough based on your, your performance up until that point. So we played an excellent game with them. Um, our guys performed really well. We drew 15 ejections against a very good uh, program, you know, but Hopkins is in that position every single year. And this was our first time ever in that position. And I think nerves got the best of us. Um, I think in mo different moments, uh, we, like I said, we try to be too perfect and make the perfect shot or, or rush an opportunity on six on five. And, you know, speaking with their coach and our guys afterwards, I felt, and Johns Hopkins also felt that that was a four quarter dogfight, and the score was not reflective. You know, we just missed opportunities on our six on fives. And, um, I think being inexperienced on being inexperienced against a high quality team in a game with everything on the line really showed. But it's something that we're gonna that we we recognize. We've talked about the guys understand, and we're gonna learn from you know. And um, it's only gonna make us better as we move into the future because we're no longer gonna have that kind of shell shocked moment of, oh my God, you know, we have something here on the line. Um, in the past, it's been us versus Penn State Baron in our rivalry, which has been fantastic. Um, and besides that, it's just been nothing to lose kind of games, right? So, you know, it's a moment where you, you learn mentally more so than physically. But, you know, physically, I thought we were right there with them. So. I'm wondering what I talked to Adam Krikorian about this thing because uh, you know multiple players on that team that won a gold medal said that they were incredibly nervous that it, it, it yeah. actually their performance suffered as a result you know and then they lost to Hungary yeah. and so you're describing something that's similar and I'm curious not only in in the fact that you said that uh, it's something that they no longer have to have be shell-shocked for future games, but maybe they will be shell-shocked in future games, but they won't have the same sort of reaction. And I'm wondering what Correct, your yeah. role is in that and, and um, whether you basically have to demonstrate by your own behaviors what it's like to be, I don't know, calm, under pressure, or something like that. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's a, and that's an area where, as a coach, we're learning also, you know. Um, and... Uh, you know, our demeanor during that game was was never panic or anything. It was always like, you know, do your job within your your specific possession. Um, you know, finish every finish every possession. Don't don't get seventy percent through and then make a bad pass or have an offensive foul or or try and bar it in versus just hit the net right. And uh, so these are things that we were talking about, and I think it's just natural. Like, you know, our seniors lost their entire junior year because of COVID, so yeah. they don't four-year experience so far as as far as high-level games go um and just go down age-wise and, and it's worse and worse so like you know it was a new experience and a new opportunity and i think the guys you know they were crushed but they also understood what where the error was and how to how to you know build upon it and i think from a coach's point of view you know you just keep putting the team in those positions and you keep having those discussions of what that moment feels like and how you overcome it and what is important to understand. And, 
you know, in, in retrospect, our women's team had that experience as their, their very first year. They made the conference championship and they lost that year in the conference championship game to a very good McAllister team uh, that was full of juniors and seniors. And, you know, seniors and juniors that had won multiple conference championships right. up until. And our, our women at that moment gave in the nerves and things of that nature. But they, they, they grew from it, obviously, with their success from then. Nothing within conference is new or as, as scary, I guess, of a moment. And this was our guys' first opportunity, just like it was theirs in their first year. So um, it's something you, you, you embrace. It's a part of that trying to become a great program. Like, you, you have to face that moment at some point. And, you know, um, Hopkins is a very, very good team and a very well-coached team. And you don't want to waste opportunities against a team like that. So. And they've also had, like you're suggesting, they, they're, they've been in this position for over 20 years. Like that, As a culture, yeah, exactly. they've been in that same situation, whereas, exactly. again, it's like it's essentially the Kangaroos' first chance to, to go to a national championship. So, yeah, a different culture altogether. Do you, do you find it hard, um, and this might actually be a little uh, confessional on my part, it is yeah. really hard when your team is not playing terribly well to not want to get angry or to yeah. start beating yourself up. And so it can be hard to have, it feels sometimes like a calm demeanor might be the right thing to do, but it's not very satisfying. Oh, a hundred percent. I, I won't go into full detail about our post game conversation. <laughs> I made myself in the moment because I wanted to be this angry alpha male and just come down on them. But, you know, as a coach, you recognize in that moment, that's not what was beneficial. What was beneficial was talking through what happened and how it happened. And, you know, and if you take, if you take our six on fives out of it, um, I don't have the exact percentage in front of us, but like, if you take away our six on fives and you just say we scored 50% of those, then it's a totally different game. Right. It's a completely different game in the fourth quarter um, to our benefit. Because if you look at like, the six on six aspect of that game, uh, six on six half court, both sides, um, counterattack, offense and defense. Like we played exceptionally well. So it wasn't as if it was a terrible game overall. It was just different aspects we struggled in and different aspects we did really well in. And, um, you know, you, you got to put those, all those things into perspective. And it was, it was really kind of, we reflected on our Air Force weekend. We went to Air Force and we played against Air Force. In our first game, insanely well. We were down by one mid fourth quarter. We joined a, a, a five mirror penalty. They got two late six on fives to kind of separate by two or three goals. Um, but we played them insanely well. And then we played against the Santa Clara team immediately or later on that night, right. who was fresh, coming off a very disappointing loss. And they essentially brought swim caps and swim goggles and, you know, made us swim for four quarters after we were exhausted at altitude after playing very well. So we talked about how we, we, uh, we approached the game after a loss like that as well. Like, are we, do we want to punish the next team or do we want to kind of get stuck in the mud and feel, feel sorry for ourselves and how we approach the next game is how we're going to develop this culture for the next two or three years. And, you know, and, and the guys did ex exceptionally well with that. So. Seemed to show it in uh, in in Connecticut as well, which is where where yeah. this Division Three Easterns was, because you recovered from that loss to Johns Hopkins that was surely disappointing with a convincing win over Washington and Jeff. I don't think that was a huge surprise. I am curious though. However, it's a, there's a bit of confusion about it. Like you won fourteen to eight, but they yeah. apparently played an ineligible player, therefore it was deemed a forfeit. Uh, What's the story behind that? So I I don't want to get in trouble with this, with the conference. Um, it's uh. 
I think the I think the uh, people in the conference I think were a little bit confused because so there's an NCAA rule that if there's a brutality that 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 athlete has to serve a one game right. a one game game suspension which which he did he did not play in the semis against MIT which could have made that game significantly different because it's a very talented young man um, who's involved and then he played against us in the third place game third place game after serving that one game suspension okay. um so he they followed ncaa's rules correctly now there's a cwpa rule that says if it's a brutality against a conference opponent within a conference game or a conference opponent within a, a uh, invitational there's a two-game suspension mm. i think there was just some confusion because it there were two brutalities from the same player and um one was in our game one was in the first game but both us neither us or augustana are cwpa teams on the men's side right. but we are we are on the women's side so there was there was some 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 conversation whether we would follow the cwpa rules since we were members in some fashion or if we had followed just strictly the NCAA. So it went a little bit back and forth, and we all decided that um, the one-game suspension was adequate and that him playing um, against us was was completely fine. So that's why we we do, we went to a four-fifth score, and then we went back to the original score. So yeah, That explains a lot. I mean, I don't, if, you, if that's the kind of thing that gets you in <laughs> trouble with your conference, the next time I'll, we'll just do it off the record and I'll talk about it. That's the, no, that seems very, so. very, very reasonable. <laughs> I don't think it gets so. Yeah, there was just uh, I was just kind of being being sarcastic. No, but it was uh, there was there was just confusion on if there's a one or two game suspension based on our affiliation from the women's side with the right. conference um, because we are a CWPA school in the grand scheme of it, but on the men's side we're obviously not. So um, just kind of like you know the admins and the coaches came together and gave their perspectives and figured out how we wanted to, to proceed with it. So got it. Um, you have a bit of a break here now. It's uh, your fi- yeah. your last game was on the twenty fourth of October, and your next game's nineteenth uh, of November. Now that's yeah. an exciting trip. You get to go play at Stanford. It's the best venue in the country, in my opinion. I don't know if there's a huge yeah. amount of dispute about that. Um, so it's really exciting to be on the horizon, but it is on the horizon. So what do you do for the next uh, few weeks before you head out there? So um, there's a few things we're focused on right now, which what's really great about this break right now is that we get 100% focus on our rivals. Um, so we have a pretty big target on Penn State Baron right now because they are our uh, rivals. And when it's all said and done, this is the most important weekend of our season coming up. And um, so we use this time right now to adjust our, adjust our style of play and our strategy for those two specific games. And then also... There's a little bit of like high intensity training, so we get, so we have a, you know, a peak to kind of you know taper off of, and then um, kind of getting healthy, getting healthy, and making sure we catch up on the academic side, um, you know, having having fun with each other in practice, and you know, just kind of enjoying the moment. So like you know, this week we've had some morning practices, and it's been great. Like we've got some very high high level like um, situational uh, scrimmaging. Um, really fun atmosphere with the scrimmaging we've been doing. So it's a little combination of everything. We'll probably have extremely high intense training for the next two weeks and then start to kind of control, I guess, and have a lot of body weight uh, training for like the, the week leading up. But it's all, it's all focused on Penn State Baron. You know, we need to come home with two wins and that's a, 
that's a necessity for the program and they'll be much better than they were last weekend. So you, uh, you've made the rounds, you have a very successful coaching career. Um, and no, no doubt you've been to the, the stadium at Stanford many times, but it's going to be yeah. something pretty unique for you to stand on that deck for the first time as the head coach of a varsity program playing as part of a conference in there. It, it has yeah. to be right. Yeah. And, and you talk about that shell shock, uh, atmosphere, right. Of like, you know, our, our guys are also going to be there. I've, I've been on that deck as a coach before, which has been a great environment. Um, but our guys are going to be sitting there playing in that stadium and having the fans almost on top of them and being in awe um, a little bit, right? So it's something that we're going to have to talk about and overcome and make sure we don't have a, a slow start to the first quarter, which has been our MO this year. So um, a couple things there to kind of work through. But, yeah, it's going to be a really exciting experience. You get you have a bunch of Texans. You might have to learn how to wear parkas and stuff too. Like actually sitting outside in November in Northern California. How about that? I know. I know. It's not going to be the warmest environment. So. <laughs> I loved that. I played in there. I played at Stanford that time of year. It. I loved it. I don't know why. I just loved yeah. it. Um, you. Uh, so MPSF. That's the end of the season for you. Um, what? Uh, and and then. Boy, you know, the women's season, even though it's technically not for a couple months, it's from a training perspective, it starts right away in from yep. the way that it from a distance, at least. What can you tell us about uh, the coming women's season? What about recruiting? Is there anything that you uh, that is that you can share in that regard? Yes. So with the recruiting aspect, like we're, we're bringing in some pretty big classes this year. We have to replace our first ever recruiting class, which will be, you know, emotionally tough um, and some pretty large numbers on both rosters. But um, recruiting is going really well. We're going to bring in athletes who will have the opportunity to contribute and develop right away. Um, you know, so we're really excited about, you know, the handful of athletes who have uh, already visited campus and the ones who have, you know, trips coming up. And, um, you know, overall, we're really excited about that, that, that group. Um, although a little bittersweet with losing our our. Yeah. our class and this group of seniors um women's season we're extremely excited you know we'll we'll start training uh fairly soon as far as in seasons stuff goes uh right now our, our women are taking advantage of like rec swim in the weight room and doing some some team things and um we're really excited for what the what it's going to present you know we're gonna have a really strong team we're gonna have a very deep team i think our depth and the balance of our roster is going to be actually um, the strongest aspect of, of our of our women's program, and um, you know we're really excited to see what we could do. We have an extremely hard weekend to open up the season. So late January, we're going to go to Brown. Um, we won't have our full squad because we have a couple of women who will be in swim season still. But we're going to go to Brown and we're going to play Brown, Marist, Pomona, Pitzer, and wow. CMS. Great. So a little bit of like a grind that first weekend, but it'd be amazing to see who we are at that moment and what we need to build into because our women's team does have aspirations to go to nationals and you know make it as far as possible if not to the very end yeah, so um, absolutely so that weekend is going to be great um nobody will be in perfect shape but an idea to see who we are at, in that moment and what we need to develop into to achieve our goals and uh, then we turn around and go to LA and have a bunch of games against division two schools out there. So it'll be a really great start to the season. And, you know, we're looking forward to it, but um, all eyes on MPSF first.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, I, I've been a bit remiss, you know, so I know Max Wade pretty decently just because he was an ODP coach for me and with me. Yeah. Um, and he knows he's a very knowledgeable young man about the game. And obviously he's performing quite well. Like if you looked at the score sheets for most games, you would think that he was the, you know, by far and away the leading scorer. But that's not true. You've got some other players who are really stepping up this year. Yeah, I think from a, from a statistical point of view, like he is our leading scorer. But what's been great about our men's season this year is that, like, we've had so many different guys step up and play extremely well. And we have a we, we have two or three guys who are, have been consistently good every single game. Um, and we have other guys who have had phenomenal moments or some inconsistency, but they've developed so well. And, um, you know, I think the strength of our season so far has been from our goalies. Uh, we have two two Midwest goalies, you know, uh, a current junior and a current sophomore. Both guys came in high potential needing experience and they've developed into phenomenal goalies so we were out in at air force the weekend prior to our d3 nationals and we saw six different goalies uh play throughout that weekend and i felt comfortable to say that one of our guys was the second best goalie who i saw play uh you know with all 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 three teams combined and both of our goalies have developed so well um you know zach Zach Griffith against WJ had a dominant performance, which was awesome to see. Um, so from that position, we thought that was going to be a, like an area of weakness this time last year. And now it's an area of strength. And then we have some other guys who have developed really nicely, like Robert Griffin, who's a senior, and he's been through the grinder here now yeah. for him. But he is ar- 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 uh, arguably has the hardest and most accurate shot in every single game that we play in. Um, and he's been a dominant scorer for us. Cade Griffith in center. He's someone that we transitioned from guard to center last year at MPSF, and his debut was against USC, and he drew three ejections and at one five, not knowing what he was doing, and now he's learning what he's doing, and he's doing phenomenal. And you know, in our our entire sophomore class has really stepped up. So, a um, couple Texan kids with Nick Holzer and D- D- Dylan MacArthur have done extremely well, and our you know our East Coaster Tate Ward. So. Um, you know, I would say our top 10, 11, 12 guys have been extremely consistent. They've all, you know, for lack of a better phrase, have developed, have like leveled up from where they were last year and are performing at a really high level. And, you know, the results have shown like you need more than one or two guys if you're going to play programs like Air Force and Brown to one or two possession games, you know. So um, been really proud of what all these guys have uh, done. For MPSF, I'm assuming that uh, you're going to travel just as well as you always do. The stands you talked about playing against Penn State Barron, where you know the yep. fans are on top of you. They're going to be your fans. Like, <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. your fans travel maybe better than anybody, and uh, they obviously represent Texas really well. I'm assuming that's true. Um, yep. uh, yeah. Is, is that is is what do you know about those plans? I mean, because it's not a formal process, right? It's parents basically getting together to communicate about what they're, what they yeah, plan to do. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. We're joking at air force. You know, we played, um, that game air force at air force. And then we had more fans in the crowd. And yeah. It's like the standard every single time we play women or men, both, we seem to have more, more fans in the stands. And even if we're playing against that, that um you know because most of these weekends are like invitationals but even if we're playing against a home team at their pool um we tend to have more fans and it's something we joke around about and but we take great pride in you know um our families support us so well you know we had probably last weekend over 50 60 fans 
we did a senior appreciation scrimmage here and I was expecting like maybe like 20 parents to show up and we easily had like 75, 85 parents um, and family members and stuff all there. And it was just really awesome to see. So the parents do their thing and they, they talk amongst like themselves and I'm not involved in those plans, but <laughs> I've seen them and, you know, we, we always make sure we have at least one, one meal where the parents come with us and make it a big family atmosphere. So it's a, uh, it's a cool experience to be and something we could compliment on all the time. And, um, you know, it's just a really fun environment to be a part of. And, you know, you have people from the athletes to their, to their families and they all care so much. And, you know, it's hard not, not to enjoy that. Mark, it's been four seasons. I can't believe it. It's, can you, I know. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I think we talked, uh, and th- I think the first time we talked about all this was when you were still playing as a club and it just seems like it was yesterday. Yeah. So I can Absolutely. see you being yeah. sad about losing your seniors. Cause it again, feels like a, a couple weeks ago when they first started. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be bittersweet. Like it's going to be sad to lose them, but then also, um, the foundation that they've built has just really attracted high level, you know, characters and a uh, high level performers. So like, it's only going to get better, but it's going to be a lot from their contributions as well into the future. So, Well, good luck. Enjoy your trip to Stanford, the most beautiful awesome. water polo facility in the world. And uh, may, uh, not the world, maybe the United States. I mean, I'm sure there's ones in Croatia that are, that are better. But uh, uh, best of luck to you and your entire team. Awesome. Thanks, man. So that's it. You get to hear McCoy. He's, he's mad. He wants the show to keep going on. But uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm no, it's it's one of those things where we don't have the budget for the soundproof room. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, no, I I prefer to think that he just wants the show to keep going. It's like it's ending too soon, and he's very upset. But um, I don't. That might not be the case. All right. Uh, thanks, Joe. Hey, thanks, James. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening, for telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast and the Total Water Polo Podcast. Uh, if you want to support us, uh, go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give. And thank you to those who've done so. And with that, until next week, so long from Austin. Yeah, take care.
This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.